Welcome to Restoration Basics. This is the preparatory podcast where we go through things the Lord has given us in the preparatory gospel, things of repentance, things in the scriptures, just discuss them. Um, right now we are going through the Book of Mormon. If you or heard our last episode, we went through 1st Nephi. Um, this time we're starting up with 2nd Nephi chapters 1, 2, 3, and we got some good stuff. Jason, uh, my co-host, do you want to make a point about comments and questions? Yeah. So basically, we're looking for you, dear listeners, to um, kind of give us some feedback and whether that is questions or concerns of things that we might have said or anything that you want us to talk about, then we would be willing to do that and probably have some sort of special episode where we go through community questions and stuff like that. So, All right. Sounds good. Uh, we got another, we got another co-host here, Andrew Smith. Do you have anything to twish our listeners for the new year? I wish you a good new year. Beautiful. Oh, all right. There it is. <laughs> we are, I am Sam Jordison, and together with Jason and Andrew, we run the Preparatory Podcast. We also go by the Anti-Layman Lemuels, so <laughs> you can reach us there, too. Just starting out, I guess we'll dive into 2 Nephi. Um, we wrapped up 1 Nephi. What were your thoughts wrapping up 1 Nephi? I know we talked a little bit about that last episode, but um, anyone want to set the scene for for what we're entering into. Uh, first Nephi did a great job just of, uh, like great job. First Nephi to go. <laughs> award goes to you. The award for setting up second Nephi. Uh, no, they did a great job of explaining some basics. Like, uh, we say we're, uh, a podcast talking about some basics of the gospel. Um, first Nephi does a great job talking about the importance of repentance and looking to God for, our strength and all these different things. And so I think it's a good, um, good foundation to, uh, keep moving forward, especially with, um, some more concepts that we'll get to talk about maybe today, maybe, uh, in the rest of the chapters. Yeah. And immediately you see that this is a good companion piece to the Bible because of the constant, uh, mentions of Christ and, you know, the prophecies that they have of his coming and, you know, what it means to, them to have that savior so saviors are good exactly <laughs> uh all right well let's just dive in here chapter one the second book of nephi um my scriptures say this is an account of the death of lehi nephi's brethren are going to rebel against him again the lord warns nephi to depart in the wilderness they're walking in the wilderness lehi's um blessing and his instructions and uh jacob's also going to preach a little bit here in the second book of Nephi before we get to Jacob. So just diving in, um, you guys, I know had a chance to just kind of look over this. What were your first thoughts going into chapter one of first Nephi? Yeah. So Lehi is here kind of given his last words to his family and it's some interesting things to look over. And I, I think it kind of summarizes some of first Nephi as well of just kind of what we've talked about, his concerns and what he wants for his family. And we've talked about that eternal mindset and stuff like that. And you can see that throughout this first chapter. Yeah. Um, I, th I think he's kind of just to go along with the story. Um, he's, I mean, to push the story narrative forward, 
he's talking to his sons and he tells them that, you know, Jerusalem, I saw it destroyed in a vision. Um, we remained in Jerusalem. We would have been destroyed too. And so Lehi has an answer to his promise, kind of gets to see, um, I don't know if you'd call it a reward, but um, I think the reward thing is a reward. Yeah. yeah. For that's yeah. <laughs> following the Lord and obeying his command to leave Jerusalem. And he knows that, you know, what his future would have been and his family's future if he would have stayed there. And then he begins to prophesy to his kids, his family, Ishmael's family is there too. And Ishmael has, has died at this point, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He died a little bit earlier. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. RIP Ishmael. <laughs> Some interest, interesting um, verses found in 15 and 16. Lehi's still talking and, and how this nation or land that they're in should be kept from other nations for at least the time being. And it, he gives a reason for that in 17. It says, because there would be no place for inheritance. And so it's just, I don't know, just an interesting talking point that he's like, no, this is, this should stay our little secret for a little bit because um, if people were to come here, then they will come here and take over, you know? Yeah. Well, he talks about the land of promise and he kind of, what we know of today being in the land of promise, he gives prophecy about how those who inhabit the land of promise should should be a little bit sorry in verse 20 he says and if it so be that they shall keep his commandments they shall be blessed upon the face of this land um, and there shall be none to molest them nor take away the land of their inheritance and they shall dwell, sweet, dwell safely forever and that's we know that the lord's promises are true and infinite you know and his promises are for us today so here we are, living in the land of promise. Um, if we can keep his commandments, we'll be blessed on the face of this land. Um, and there'll be no one to take away their land of, and our land of inheritance, and she'll, we'll dwell in safety. Moving on, um, and Lehi begins to speak to his children a little bit more directly. He starts talking, and you have to believe that this is to Laman and Lemuel, but he says, My heart has been weighed down with sorrow from time to time, for I feared lest for the hardness of your hearts the Lord your God should come out in the fullness of his wrath upon you, that you should be cut off and destroyed forever, or that a cursing should come upon you for the space of many generations, when you are visited by sword and by famine, and are hated and are led according to the will and captivity of the devil. O my sons, that these things might not come upon you, that you might be a choice in a favored people of the Lord. But then Lehi kind of acknowledges if this were to come upon his sons and even in their, if they're wicked, he says, but no matter what his will be done because his ways are righteous forever. And, and Lehi understands that if this were, were done to his sons, it would be even then a righteous, righteous judgment, judgment. And that if they rebel and are angry at the Lord, that he's telling them that Lord's righteous. He made a good he always makes good decisions. Can't be mad at that. Um, and then he gives them instructions, kind of reinforcing again. He said, keep the commandments. She'll prosper. He preaches to him a little bit about um, shaking off the chains. Don't uh, be tied up with the adversary has for you. And um, and tries to, tries to resort to them or exhort to them to follow the Lord. And later in the, the chapters, to hearken to the voice of their brother Nephi, which probably doesn't sound too good to their ears, you know listen to your younger brother. He mentions Laman, Lemuel, Sam, my sons who are the sons of Ishmael. Hearken to the voice of Nephi, ye shall not perish. I don't know what went through their minds at that point, but it probably like listen to your dad on his 
deathbed and and he's not saying he's proud of you <laughs> he's saying hey uh your younger your younger brother's got it figured out apparently so so focus on him um and the next couple of verses is a little bit more threatening um and he says there's an incentive if you listen to him and it's that you get your blessing from me if you don't listen to him well then nephi is the only one that gets the blessing so i would assume i mean i i could in- infer if I were Laman, Lemuel, or Sam, hearing that, that I had to listen to him or else I was going to lose what should have been mine, you know, I, I would be pretty upset. Yeah. And we also know that Laman and Lemuel are pretty prideful and that they definitely don't want to do this. And Lehi, who's like, well, if you don't, you'll perish. Yeah. And going back to, you know, always trying to put ourselves in, in the scriptures and, and what can we take from it. We are more often Laman and Lemuel in the story. I think we identify more with Laman and Lemuel because for whatever reason, we see our sins a little bit a little bit better than others. And we're like, oh, Laman and Lemuel suffering with that. Why am I like that? Um, and, and then it's kind of the words, you know, you could still advise us to listen to the words of Nephi, hearken to his understanding and his teachings and and then you'll not perish if you hearken unto him and, and listen to him. And also as a as a people in a favored land, I don't know if that's the way to say it, of a blessed land in the US, um, we've been we've been blessed immensely and um, the promises are still there that if we don't have the Lord as our God that we will be swept off. Lehi ends speaking, you know, to them and kind of turns to Jacob, his firstborn son in the wilderness. So you got Laman, you got Lemuel, Sam, Nephi, and then number five is Jacob. And uh, he says, you know, you've known the greatness of God because you've been living in the wilderness and um, you've seen the blessings that he gave us because we had to rely on them. And this is an odd, not an odd thing to say, but Lehi basically says, I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy redeemer. Um, you're, you're redeemed. Um, Jacob's been doing, I guess, hearkening to the words of Nephi enough that, and his father, that he's been exercising what the commandments are following the commandments and, uh, he's on the right, right path. So Lehi kind of commends him, says, good job. And then he gives him a little bit, a story of that redeemer who redeemed him, the story of Jesus in verse 71 and he says redemption cometh in and through the holy messiah for he is full of grace and truth i'm really excited about second nephi because we're going to talk about grace a little bit and that's not something we talk about a lot grace but sorry going on um and then he says you know he's going to offer himself a sacrifice for sin that's why he offers him a sacrifice to answer the ends of the law um there was a law given there is a punishment for breaking that law and here's this Messiah who's going to offer himself a sacrifice. Um, all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, um, and unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. And then he's, you know, he's talking about how great the sacrifice is, how great the Messiah is who's going to do this. He's going to be perfect. Um, he's going to be the perfect sacrificial lamb. And because of the intercession for all, all men come unto God. That's, we're already seeing a little bit of grace in there. So I think that's a really, really cool little bit there um, in the scriptures for um, just to focus on Christ and what his his sacrifice means. Um, I think it's also interesting that Lehi talks about the law not being sufficient enough and talking about the need for a Messiah to come down. This is 
in a time where the Messiah hasn't come and he's in the middle of having to follow this law. He's like, this isn't going to be enough. Mm-hmm. Because he sees, he sees that play out in his life and in his family even, that they were all governed by the law. And he saw um, Laman and Lemuel continually struggle with that law. But then he, he saw Nephi struggle with it from time to time too. And he's like, man, if Nephi is having this hard time, if I'm having this hard time, if my wife is having a hard time, I, I don't assume to pretend I don't assume that he pretended he was uh, the most perfect man in the world, but he he just realized from seeing his family struggle that there had to be a Messiah. There was no other way. Yeah, and and he got to see it play out in a vision and also Nephi too, but they kind of got to see kind of the ramifications of what the Messiah coming down would be and, and seeing that there's so much more that you can gain from that. Yeah. So in uh, verse um, 108, it says, Wherefore their state became a state of probation, and their time was lengthened according to the commandments which the Lord God had given unto the children of men. And he had just been telling the story of creation with Adam and Eve and, and how they'd fallen. And um, this, is a, this is a term we like to use, especially in the Restoration a lot, that we are in a probationary state. And I find this interesting because... If you look at the prison system, probation is is a time where you have been released and you're you're being watched closely. You know, uh, you every move is under observation, and I think it it's important for us to realize that while we have our choice here on earth, that the things we do here have consequence and they have eternal worth as well. And so, just like someone who's been recently released from jail. How, how they get put on probation if they if they purposefully mess up and start going back to their old sinful ways um, they'll be punished for it I mean th- there's a consequence for it and you know uh, as it's not that God is the judicial system and as soon as he sees us step a toe out of our 500 meter range from home I mean he swings the hammer down that's not it at all it's that there's a natural consequence for our sinful actions. And so um, it, it's just kind of the state of the world we live in. And that's that's um, kind of just an interesting point um, right, right at the end of him talking to Jacob there. Yeah, God doesn't give us commandments just because he wants to see us be obedient to him. It's also for our own benefit. And when we follow that, then... Typically, the natural result is a, a better life. Well, it's always a better life. It, yeah. it just might not seem like it. Exactly. It might be Sometimes. death, but it will be a better life <laughs> in the sense that... In the sense of eternity. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. Shout out to Abinadi. R.I.P. R.I.P. But he had a better life. Hey, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it doesn't matter what happens to you. If you follow the commandments of God, you will be blessed in, in a way that matters the most. And, and it may not seem that way to you. Like a Benadi, if you really don't want to die, I can't guarantee that you won't die. But I can guarantee that God's will is better than yours. And so, if you follow his commandments, then you will be a part of a blessing that's bigger than just staying alive. If Abinadi had not died, Alma probably wouldn't have been converted. And had Alma not been converted, who knows how many people wouldn't have been converted. I mean, like he converted the whole nation it seemed like after that so and the thing is abinadi now we're jumping 
a little forward a lot, but Abinadi never saw anything <laughs> yeah. that happened yeah. with what his, he just knew yeah. he was preaching to the to the king and his priests, and after that, he said, don't touch me, finished his message, and then he gave up the ghost in the sense that he was scourged and burned, and, you know, he didn't get to see that blessing here on earth, but I'm positive that the Lord let him see the impact and and the, the role he got to play in the salvation of so many others who would believe on Alma's words, who believe it on his. Moving on from 108, here's an interesting verse in verse 115. I like to quote this a lot. Adam fell that men might be, and men are that they might have joy. 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 So that's a, a short verse there. <laughs> that's a short verse there. But let's break that down a little bit, just real quick. We're we're only a, a few minutes in and we got some time to time to kill. So Adam fell, that men might be basically saying if Adam never fell, none of this would happen. We wouldn't be here today. Yeah. So, thanks, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that, you know, it seems like sometimes we look down on the story of Adam and Eve where it's like, oh, you know, they screwed it up for everybody because they, you know, sinned and ruined the Garden of Eden experience. But it's more of like, that was just God's plan in the first place, that that is what happened. He wasn't surprised that they took of that fruit. And and so God had this whole plan for mankind, and it all kind of started with the fall of Adam. And so, I don't know. It's very interesting to think about. That's a good point that we kind of look down sometimes on Adam and Eve. But the word Adam means man, and Adam did what every single one of us would have done in that position. Like, that's... That's all that happened was Adam was a man just like us. And it's like, yeah, we throw him under, not throw him under the bus, but we're like, hey, you know, he ate the fruit, Eve ate the fruit. And then we're sitting here with <laughs> tons of sins that we've done and been like, gosh, dang it, Adam, if you would have, wouldn't have eaten the fruit. Also, mathematically, they were in the garden for like, they could have been in there for an infinite amount of time. Right. So he would have had to eat the fruit eventually. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> I would have had to. Like, I mean, like eventually it would have happened. If you go down that rabbit hole, it gets a little confusing. I, I don't say that the church believes this, or even I believe it, but you know, some people look at the Adam and Eve experience as more of a metaphor for the beginning of man. But that's not how we really look at it. But we tend to take scripture literally. Um, but yeah. Thank you, atheist Jason. <laughs> I just can't, can't <laughs> yeah, that's that's a rabbit hole for another time, but just a thought. All right, keep moving on. Um, he he also ends um, his his kind of speaking to his five sons, not addressing his youngest yet. And he says, "And now, my sons, I would that ye should look to the great mediator." Um, he just got telling him who that mediator was, who the Messiah was, and hearken unto his great commandments and be faithful unto his words and choose eternal life. Don't choose eternal death, <laughs> um, according to the will of the flesh and the evil which is therein. So he's begging him once again, and then he ends it with an amen, and he turns to his last born, Joseph. Now this is this is a this is a chapter that's kind of given some question because of what's inside of it <laughs> we probably won't touch too deeply on it because people have a lot of different opinions and i'm not sure any of my opinions are more than theirs 
However, Lehi speaks unto Joseph, and he says, you were born in the wilderness too, and you have seen a lot of the tribulations that we went through, and I'm praying that the Lord will watch over you, be with your seed, be with your children, um, and please keep the commandments just like I asked your brothers. Interestingly enough, he says, "This is if I was the five other brothers and I was sitting there and I heard this, I would have some questions. He says, and now Joseph, my last born, whom I have brought out of the wilderness of mine afflictions, may the Lord bless thee forever, and thy seed shall not utterly be destroyed. For behold, thou art the fruit of my loins, and I am a descendant of Joseph, who was carried captive into Egypt. And great were the covenants of the Lord which he made unto Joseph. Wherefore, Joseph truly saw our day. And he says, you know, you're obtaining a, pro- uh, a promise the Lord gave, gave us um, that he would raise up a righteous branch into the house of Israel. And now he says, not the Messiah, but a branch which was to be broken off, nevertheless to be remembered in the covenants of the Lord. And we talked a little bit about breaking off and the remnants of the house of Israel and how the Book of Mormon, and in the first Nephi ep- episodes, how the Book of Mormon is a message to the house of Israel and how to them, the Jews, and also to others, everyone, but importantly to the Lamanites and the remnant, that the Messiah should be made manifest unto them in the latter days in the spirit of power, to the bringing them out of darkness into light and bringing the captive into freedom. And so Joseph of Egypt truly said, it doesn't say of Egypt, but that's that's who he's talking about. It gets confusing because there's two Josephs here, right? After one, after another. But um, Joseph truly said, thus saith the Lord unto me, a choice seer will I raise up out of the fruit of the loins, and he shall be esteemed highly among the fruit of thy loins. And unto him will I give commandment that he shall do a work for the fruit of thy loins, his brethren, shall be a great work unto them, worth unto them. And they're going to know the covenants which the Lord made to the fathers and that the covenants still stand today, that they're still um, a people of the covenant and they can come back under those covenants and, and be a blessing to the world. Now, I think... Going on, he begins to describe the the choice seer, and that's where kind of some of the confusion is. I believe some people think it's Joseph Jr., mm-hmm. and then a lot of people say that that doesn't fit, and he hasn't been raised up yet, so take your pick. <laughs> <laughs> Undecided, but it says specifically he was esteemed very highly, and Joseph Smith Jr. wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Particularly esteemed high among the people of the land. Right. In fact, he was tarred and feathered multiple times. And, so. the, and the people of the covenant being the Lamanites, um, right. he wasn't esteemed to them and he was not esteemed to the Jews either. He didn't really bring them back under. So there's some, some uh, parameters that need to be met that have not been yet. So I, I asked my, uh, my I actually, funny is enough story. I asked my dad if he would be a guest on the show and, and what his favorite book of the Book of Mormon was and I kind of, or a chapter of the Book of Mormon was and he was kind of going through it. He said, the one chapter I will not be on is, he may have said Jacob, but he was talking about Second Nephi, Second Nephi chapter two of the choice here because he said, I've flip-flopped on that a lot on, on my decisions. So <laughs> there it is. My great father doesn't have all the answers. So. Oh. <laughs> Such a disappointment, That's man. That's a disappointment mm. right there. Never let it be said that the host of the Preparatory Podcast have all the answers. <laughs> um, and he ends his his address to Joseph um, about the covenants that the Lord has made and how the people that the Lord has made the covenant with are will always be under those covenants and can always come back. Um, and he tells them, Wherefore, hearken unto the words of thy brother Nephi. And so Nephi's sitting there and 
<laughs> hearing his dad say, listen to your brothers. And all his brothers are probably looking at him like, okay, Nephi's got all that weight on his shoulders. But Le- uh, Lehi ends in a dramatic way. He says, remember thy words of thy dying father, <laughs> of thy dying father. And then Nephi picks up and he says, now I speak concerning the prophecies which my father hath spoken concerning Jesus, Joseph, who was carried into Egypt. For behold, he prophesied concerning all his seed. And this is a prophecy that is very great. He says, in the prophecies which he wrote, there are not many greater. He talked about Nephi, his brothers, and their future generations. And they're all written upon the plates of brass. Um, his father makes an end, speaking the prophecies of Joseph. He called the children of Laman, his sons and his daughters, and said unto them, You know, you're my grandchildren. You're the, the grandchildren of my firstborn. I would that you should give ear unto my words. So listen to these. Um, if you keep my commandments, you shall prosper in the land. If you don't keep my commandments, it'll be cut off from my presence. And he says, I can't go down upon my grave, save I should leave a blessing to you. Behold, I know that if ye are brought up in a way ye should go, ye will not depart from it. So let's take a second. Lehi is basically saying, the way you're brought up, if you're brought up right, you aren't going to leave. Right? You aren't going to depart from it. So yeah. what's... Here's a question on ours, and I know we talked about this a little bit on a couple other instances, but a lot of people ask me why I'm still in the church and why I'm still um, active in ministry and how I am, you know, 23 years old and and still involved and so many others are leaving. And I think you guys have probably faced that same question too. Did anyone ever ask you that? Mm-hmm. Here's my understanding on why I don't know exactly why, you know, I, I I have a testimony that the Lord gave me and not anything I did. He very much gifted it to me. Um, and I was able to recognize that, I guess, and, and understand how the Lord was working in my life and, and follow that working. But Doug made a good point. Our, our rabbi, Doug Smith, <laughs> um, made a good point when I was talking to him and I said, I, I don't know why I am still involved where others aren't and he talked about the way my parents behaved and testimony my parents bore in in raising us and that they walked the talk they walked the walk they understood what was important and they made sure we did too yeah when i think of why i'm doing stuff in church and going to church I think of, you know, my parents, but also other people as well of just some people have dedicated their whole lives to serving and, and, and I can't even get through 20 years of my life doing this. Like I, and so I kind of think like there's a lot more for me to do. And, and my mom particularly always would tell me, you know, not to grow tired in a good work. And I think that's just something you can carry on, um, and they also, like you said, walked the talk and were able to give that example for their children. It was something real to them. And you yeah. know, it wasn't something like they, they talked about on Sundays and, and whatever. But I think the biggest example, the testimony that I got was, you know, even when mom and dad were tired and didn't want to go, they still went to prayer service. And they drug us along, too, because we didn't want to go ever. And we'd go on Wednesday nights because my parents, and you know, that was not so I was like, you know, a, a child or, or whoever's watching realizes that that this is a sacrifice that they're making over and over again. And they're not just saying, you know, spend time with the Lord. They're actually doing it and they're doing they're making a sacrifice to do it. And it's just a it's just an important thing to realize. So if you're listening and you're like, well, I don't know why. 
you know, how, how to best assure that my kids stay in the gospel or follow it. It is to set the example. It's to pray at prayer service, to share your testimony at prayer service, to make sure your kids know your testimony and that you are living how that testimony changed your life, um, I think is the best way to to that end. Just another side to that coin is that, I don't know, when when I read this verse, it says that if you are brought up in in the way you should go um i sometimes you can look at that as a um as a as a path in life but as as like a lifestyle like you guys are talking about like in in a a way of living and if you're brought up in that way in that spirit i think is most important um that that is really what you're going to get hooked to um i know we've talked about in the past how um what has quote unquote hooked us into uh, staying with the church and the gospel. And it, and it comes with feeling the spirit and in a way that um, has changed us. And so for parents, grandparents, for people who are looking for um, help on how to keep people with the church, it's, it's all about having that spirit in your life so that people other people can see the difference it's making because it will make a difference. I mean, as we talked about, um, there's a natural consequence to obeying what God has asked us to do. And the natural consequence of having the spirit with you is that there are some, there are going to be some great things that happen. They, they might not all happen at once, but people will notice that spirit and they'll, they'll see it and eventually they'll want it. And that's really what's going to keep people around is that they see that God is available for them today. He, he is in their life and available for them in a way that is immediate. And so just that kind of realization and the upbringing is really what I can say got me to stay around because I knew had I been risen in a religion or gospel setting, church setting, whatever it is, where I saw my parents doing something and I didn't see a difference. If I didn't see the spirit working, uh, I definitely wouldn't be here. But uh, I'm here because that spirit has borne record of um, the truth, you know. And so just just living, Sam said, talk, uh, walk the talk. Yeah. And even if you foster that spirit and you're raising your kids right there still is obviously potential that your kids will fall off and but the good thing is that they would have that foundation that you set and even if they falter which i've faltered in my life like i've felt very far away from god and uh, the choices that i've made but when you have that foundation it's easy to fall back on it and I haven't necessarily had a rock bottom experience, but there are, you know, if you're at the rock bottom, you can remember that hope that your parents had given you and uh, the hope that is in the Lord. And um, there's, there's always hope for everyone, but there's especially hope when you have that foundation. Something that I think is really important for us to realize, especially now that um, we talk about the end times a lot is that a lot of people will be looking for hope and we have to be a place that, um, you know, there's a lot of talk of judgment today in, in the news and everywhere, really. Um, we have to be a place that doesn't give that judgment, but gives solely that hope. And it comes from, uh, a place of love, but it, 
really comes from a place of security in our relationship with God. And if we're secure with where we are, with where we're going in our way, as we just talked about, that is really what's going to draw people to us. And just like Jason said, when things start to go sideways and the world is upside down and um, turmoil is everywhere, you know, people will will really value that hope. And, and that value is something we may not see at the moment because people are comfortable. Um, but when people become uncomfortable, they will seek after that hope faster than uh, you can imagine. And so, I mean, that's really what we should be striving for, making a um, community or uh, just a, I don't know, something, making a something um, <laughs> that that breeds that hope because that's really what we should be going after. Yeah, true. True that. <laughs> It looked like you were going to say something. I know, and you then I realized thinking. I didn't have anything to say. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually going to say nothing. <laughs> no, sorry. It's, I'll tell you later. Okay. Lehi lays the law down to Layman's kids then. And again, you know, just like, that was a good, really, I like how you said that, that um, we have to be that hope because people are going to be looking for that hope. Um, you know, he, he basically tells them, well, we said what he told them. <laughs> um, and he goes on, he says the same thing to Lemuel and his, his children. And then, uh, he gives them the same blessing and says, you know, the same, the same blessing I left to the sons of your brother and your brother's children, it's to you. And, and then he gets to Sam and he says, blessed art thou and thy seed, thou shalt inherit the land like unto thy brother Nephi and your seed shall be numbered with his seed. So already he's kind of prophesying a little bit about what's going to happen in the next chapter when they go off in separate ways, but um, that the seed of Sam and his children are going to, um, at least for the next few years, be a righteous people with Nephi's people, um, and they'll be blessed because of that. Uh, and then it says that, My father Lehi spoke unto all his household according to the feelings of his heart, and uh, he waxed old, and it came past that he died and was buried. And not too long after his death, Laman Lemuel... And the sons of Ishmael are angry with Nephi because of the <laughs> admonitions of the Lord that Lehi gave his his kids, and Laman and Lemuel's wasn't too nice. Um, so then proceeds to happen a, I guess a part that that people refer to at least um, I know Mike refers to as shout out to Mike Barrett and um, Corey Stark for we'll get into that a little bit later at the end of the episode, but something another podcast and and i've talked to one of their hosts and he calls it nephi's psalms takes place here um and basically nephi's outpouring of his heart and he goes on and gives basically a song about what he he knows and how his heart feels and it's a very encouraging part of of the scriptures and also kind of a very real part because nephi is being um it's almost like his journal you know he's saying this is how my heart feels this is what this is what I suffer with. This is what I take joy in. He just he just loves the Lord, and um, he gives his his song. So I don't really know what we can say about that psalm. If you guys have any have any thoughts, it's very beautiful. It's very um, it's very personal. I think from Nephi, um, and you kind of get a glimpse of what he was going through. If you imagine the Psalms and David writing, 
his Psalms and we know a little bit about David's life and what it was like. And it's very Psalmish in that, that way. It's a, it's a very good song. And Nephi ends his chapter three with this song. I really like in verse 43 and 44, he says, why should I yield to sin because of my flesh? Yea, why should I give way to temptations that the evil one have placed in my heart to destroy my peace and afflict my soul? You know, and that's um, something I really appreciate about the Book of Mormon so far with with what we've read is that they uh, paint a very good picture of what Satan is actually trying to do to you. Um, You know, sometimes um, we have... um, I, I don't think we think about it from from the uh, the devil's perspective is what what his goal is or uh, what he's trying to do in your life even. Um, but he is trying to put you in a place where you are in bondage. He's trying to take away the peace that you can have in your life. And um, several times Lehi describes him as the persecutor, the, the person who's, um, uh, let's see it. Back here in the last chapter, he just said it. He says multiple times that he's trying to take us into captivity and to capture us. And I think that just paints a really good picture of uh, a really realistic picture of what's happening. Um, You know, we're um, very aware that um, while we don't see the war happening, we are in a battle and how Satan is waging war against your soul at the moment. And and he's really trying to take away all those things that God wants to give you. And so, um, I don't know. I, I, I really appreciate about just their perspective and how much of an enemy Satan is to these people is that they don't really get mad, uh, as, as far as Nephi and Lehi are concerned, they don't really, get mad at Laman and Lemuel, they're more mad at Satan for having hold of their hearts. And they very much recognize that he's the one that they're fighting and not not Laman and Lemuel who are um, kind of dim-wittingly following. So maybe not yeah. dim-wittingly, but uh, they're not really in charge, you know. They have been captured after all. So Yeah. I really like verse 53 through, you know, a while, but... Um, verse 53 specifically says, wilt thou make me that I may shake in the, the appearance of sin. And I think that's a great prayer that anyone can pray to just be more afraid of sin than loving sin. And, um, I, I just, that really stuck out to me of something that, you know, we could pray every day and may the gates of hell be shut continually before me because that my heart is broken and that my spirit is contrite. O Lord, wilt thou not shut the gates of thy righteousness before me, that I may walk in the path of the low valley, that I may be strict in the plain road. O Lord, wilt thou encircle me around in the robe of thy righteousness. I just think that's a great word picture to righteousness. And we want to be so encircled around righteousness. And when I think of a robe, I think of a comfy robe that it's a comfort to be in this robe of righteousness. Just like the one you got for Christmas. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) It's, it's funny because Job actually says that exact same thing. He doesn't pray for it, but he, he says that's what he has. Like that's how he was living. And, um, if you look at Job, obviously he's not the poster boy for an easy life. And 
Uh, uh, he's the anti-poster boy. He's the <laughs> anti-poster boy, right. And so, by praying this prayer, it's not a prayer of safety. <laughs> it's not a prayer that, um, please, God, protect me from all harm and um, take away all the struggles so that I can have a cakewalk of a life. No, it's it's let me react to all of these things in a way that, that will... Um, bear record of you that will praise you and give glory to the person who's giving me strength, which is God. And so, yeah, I, I love that as a, as a prayer we can start praying today. I'm just going to wrap us up with verse uh, 65, kind of talking about what you talked about with the adversary being um, a captor. Um, a, a, yeah, a captor. Um, Nephi says, Yea, my God will give me if I ask not amiss, therefore I will lift up my voice unto thee. Yea, I will cry unto thee, my God, the rock of my righteousness. Behold, my voice shall forever ascend up unto thee, my rock, and mine everlasting God. Amen. Uh, a little bit of a shorter episode, maybe? Hmm? I don't know. <laughs> Probably a little bit shorter, but um, not much. But before we go, we do want to shout out um, the Restored Gospel Podcast and Michael Barrett for having us on the Stories of the Saints episode. They do some awesome work over there. Their motivation probably behind our podcast in a way. Um, and they have, I would say, a deep run. They'll tell you they don't, but um, some some understanding that, that we don't have. And I always get someone from listening to um, their episodes. That's Restored Gospel Podcast. So we want to shout them out and thank them for... The, the ministry they provide and the knowledge they provide and are sharing and the way they do it and just for having us on and letting us tell our story. So maybe we'll have to have, we'll have to have uh, Mike on as a guest on our podcast just to, you know, cross, cross over a little bit. Yep. Um, but thank you guys very much for listening and God bless. Just as a reminder, we'd like to encourage all comments and participation as this is an interactive study. We would like to not fall short of that description and be interactive with you. So if you would have comments, questions, uh, subjects you would like us to talk about, please feel free to email us. Um, we have a link up on our Facebook page and we will be checking that. So um, if you have a way to contact any of us, that is fine as well. But find a link on our Facebook page, leave us a comment, question, or subject matter, and we will try to look into that. So thank you very much for your involvement and have a blessed day.